of the Four Star Spurs podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week is Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. Catherine. Hello. And Sam will be joining us in a little bit. Um, I want to roll right into the conversation today. So a very exciting match that we have to talk about this week. Um, And I think most of us were coming in with our previous performances, our first loss in the Champions League, hoping for some kind of change. Um, Whether that's a change in personnel, uh, whether that was a change in formation, I think most people were screaming for some kind of change. And we got uh, um, some rotations to the squad here. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the the rotation that we had first. Uh, let's uh, let's start with Lucas. Well, yeah, me and uh, I mean we've all kind of been hoping for one of those um, for just a change. Like you mentioned, just any type of change is what I was really looking for. And there was a main question of whether or not uh, that the change would come from the midfield. Is it going to be a formational change? Is it going to be rotational? So we saw a little bit of both with Sun getting rotated out having Kulicheski and having uh, Richarlson in there up front. And then we saw uh, with we saw Ben Davis uh, get rotated out with uh, Langley, and then you saw uh, Dave Sanchez get slotted in the right to give Romero a break. And I think everyone was kind of thrown for a loop on that one because we were like, is he hurt? Like, did something happen? Because that has happened before. So um, it was good to see that he was just getting rotated, and that was just – it wasn't an injury concern or anything. And – We've been able to trust Dave a lot so far this season, so I don't think uh, I think we're all pretty excited about that lineup, and we were excited to see what Sun could do. We knew he was going to come off the bench against some tired Leicester legs, so and I know we'll get there in the second half, but that seemed to be a pretty smart move at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, I was really excited going into it, and I thought that the rotation and the change was exactly what we were going to need. Well, and to, and to your point, like just the the, the wing backs, like we we're. we're we all know that a Conte system relies on those wing backs, and we've been playing somebody who, bless his heart, has played very well this season in Emerson Royal, but he's not a wing back. And uh, with Parasic being so two footed, I mean, this made a lot of sense to, to try this out. Um, what do you think, Catherine? I was just going to say, and very quick uh, soundbite for you, but I think after the Champions League match that we just needed some fresh legs and, and fresh perspective on the pitch just because you could see the reaction to uh, sporting and it just seemed like the, not that the life was drained, but people just needed a little bit of that kick up their ass where uh even though we all love Sun, he, it was probably right that he he wasn't dropped. He was just like Lucas is saying. He they were all rotated because you need that when you have a squad like ours and you play in lots of different matches throughout the weeks. And so I think that that was a necessary change, and and clearly it worked. Of course, for some players, it wasn't as uh, confident of a of a change, but we still got the job done. And so I was fine with it in the, in the long run. Yeah. Uh, and Sam has joined us. So Sam, we're talking lineup. Um, what did, what were your feelings when this lineup came out? Um, so my feelings were like, wow. Um, kind of like, what the hell? I really like seeing Perisic at right wing back. Um, I thought he played really well there. Um, 
of course, was a little bit disappointed to see Sanchez, but of course we've got to rotate the squad. Um, I'd like to see Perisic more at right wing back as well, but unfortunately with we're deeper at the right than we are at the left this moment, so he's going to have to stay there um, from time to time. But that gives us another option in uh, Condi's arsenal. And um, um, thought uh, Decky played well to start the game. Um, Richarlson, we didn't get to see uh, very much of. I thought he was very effective getting into the um, uh, uh, delivering in the final third. Um, um, and I think it really worked bringing Sun on later in the game where he was able to really finally start to shine and the sun rose in the second half per se. Uh, you're on mute there, Anthony. Uh, yeah, yeah, and we're going to talk about Sun in the second half, but um, uh, the second half of this first half, I should say. But uh, first, I just want to talk about the first half of this game. So we came in with the, this uh, uh, squad that had been shaken up a little bit. Um, it seemed like we came out of the gate with a little bit of energy. Um, we did still have some struggles in this half. Uh, Lucas? Yeah, um, I think... Wait, should we go to Shubes' question here, you think, to kick us off? Yeah, let's uh, let's do Shubes' question. So uh, Shubes asks us, um, is the Sanchez error an acceptable price we pay for being able to rotate? Yeah, and I, I think I'll take the – I'll go first. Um, just to me, the short answer is no. Um you have to be able to trust these guys. And I don't want to throw Dave completely under the bus because, um, I mean, this is what I think the fourth time that he started in our seven Premier League games. And I, I think he's done a pretty, a very strong job defensively, at least. He struggles moving the ball forward and it kind of hinders our ability to carry the ball forward. But um, defensively, he's been sound in all in, in the first three of those games and been someone that we really needed to rely on. So I give him a lot of credit for that. But we need to trust that like at the very least I need to know that you're not going to be doing dumb reckless like just calamitous stuff on the back end defensively when that's your job to come in as the defensive player so I think that the answer is no um it's not that shouldn't be acceptable to have like oh you know well we have to rotate so we need you to step in and do your job and that's what I was really disappointed in is he has this he has this thing where he makes a mistake and he did. He gave the ball away in a really poor clearance. In that, it seems like he has like the next thirty seconds were chaos of him trying to like recklessly correct his own mistake, and it just compounded on the fact, and he ended up making an even worse mistake. So it was like, and and we've seen that from him before. So that's something that I would love to see him stamp out of his game. But for right now, um, yeah, it's it just it's an unfortunate consequence of having to rotate, but it is something we need to get sorted out. Well, yeah, and to your point, Lucas, he definitely made the, the, the mistake which led to this uh, penalty being given. Um, I, but to me, it seemed like he was trying to, uh, do, like his slide, like he, I don't think he intended to, uh, to to clip the defender. I think he was trying to pull out of it. I think he was trying to push him out wide so uh, uh, to, to get him out of the line of, of strike. And I think... The, um, the attacker, I can't remember who the attacker uh, was, but uh, but I think he very smartly like pulled up and let himself be get, uh, the, the contact yeah. be made. So 
So that's I, I exactly can understand what happened. Davis. What happened to Davis in there? But the the initial screw up was the the. He problem. knew he knew as soon as he slid, he knew that he had made the dumb decision, and so that's when he saw himself kind of pull up because he knew that this was a stupid thing to be doing. But unfortunately, the attacker also saw that immediately and knew that that was a stupid thing to be doing. So he basically just let his back leg drift out there and just run into the contact. So it was a smart play by that attacker to just basically set himself up for a free pen. As soon as he saw Sanchez go to ground, he knew he had him. So, uh, yeah, credit to Dave for kind of realizing it in the moment. But he's got to be having that thought process about 10 seconds earlier. See, and and I completely understand and agree with what the both of you guys are saying. But also I waffle a little bit on it because, yes, technically his actual price, because he was, what, like $65 million? Uh, yeah. And so for that literal price, it's not acceptable. But also we need the rotation, like what I was saying. And for all of the transfers that we've had in and out in the past, like, two seasons – I know that he's always been on the top of, I don't want to say the chopping block, but he's always been on the top of the list, but he's not in a position that is necessary for that change. And so we need somebody and it's almost like he's our third person to be like, okay, well, we have XYZ, we have XYZ, and then it's Sanchez. And so... um, it it doesn't seem like as big of a deal because also Lucas, I know that you were saying that he had been playing for the first three matches, but then even before that he had been, I, and I think I heard this on view from the lane, but it was like the past seven matches that he's played in or started in, he hadn't um, like we hadn't con- either con- not, well, it's not conceded. We hadn't uh, lost any of those matches and he wasn't exemplary in those matches, but he also didn't have the boneheaded mistakes like he did this past weekend. And so he's not like, I know some people see him as just error filled, error filled, error filled. I think that everyone has those games. Like we've seen Hugo make mistakes. We've seen Kane make those mistakes. We've seen Hoiberg make those mistakes, but his are just more glaring because they end up leading to things like a penalty, like what we saw. And so even though I'm trying to be the devil's advocate here because I can understand where we can't give him up because we don't have any other option um, with other uh, other perspectives. And so, um, no, it's not an acceptable price, but also we we have him and so we have to make do with what we have within Sanchez's talents and, and what he brings to the pitch. Uh, Lucas, uh, quick, quick point on this. And then uh, let's talk about the, uh, the, the second goal, which was only two minutes later than this uh, penalty. Um, well, yes. Yeah, so I would say like the, the main thing is that Conti, he trusts him. He clearly, he trusts Sanchez, which is all we need to really focus on. Um, like I'd mentioned, I, I think Catherine, you bring up a really good point that there's when you're a defensive player and you're making mistakes, they're going to be much more. That's one of the reasons Dyer's gotten so much flack over the years is he could have the greatest game ever, but then make one dumb mistake and it leads to a goal. And it's like, okay, but Harry Kane could have had 50 mistakes and we didn't really notice or like we didn't really talk about it because 
he was up front and those weren't directly leading. When a striker makes a mistake, it's very different than when your center back makes a mistake. So that I think is a really good point. But yeah, I think Conte trusts him. And I think that at the end of the day, yeah, he made a really bonehead decision. And it's something that is not going to be the last time we see it. But I think the value that we get for him, this is a guy that probably walks into, there's probably a, over half the teams in the Premier League would probably kill to have him in, as one of their starting center backs. This is a guy that is a high-quality player that just is in the midst of three other high-quality players that are in great form. And so, But when he's asked to call or he's called on to step in, that's, he does his job. So it's really hard to get a guy of his caliber as one of your rotational center backs. So I think that, yeah, it was unfortunate, but it's not the end of the world. And I'm glad that that happened in the first couple minutes as opposed to the 90th minute. Because we've seen that he did the same thing against United a few years ago. We turned it around and at Old Trafford, we won 6-1. We were able to kind of lock into gear and we were able to get ourselves on track in this one. Yeah, and, uh, and we got on track pretty fast. Um, uh, Harry Kane answered just uh, two, two minutes later on this one. Let's talk a little bit about that uh, second goal. Uh, Sam? Sam, you're on mute, kid. Yeah, I'm back on. So anyway, the, it's just a side note. So um, I was actually not at the pub watching this game. I was out of town um, in Columbus, Ohio for a family wedding. I was actually watching this game with uh, my cousin's seven-year-old son um, who plays soccer for a travel team already. And he this was like the first Premier League game he watched. And... When he saw this goal, the amount of skill and what was done uh, when um, Kulishevsky delivered the ball into Harry Kane, he was just, he was standing at the time. He immediately fell back into the seat just as, um, just amazed at, you know, one, like he kept talking about like how, he couldn't believe that went in and to like that people could actually do this in the way a huge stadium just kind of lost their shit. Um, he didn't use those words directly, but the, the way like people reacted, it was just for, it was, for me, it was just something amazing watching this kid's reaction to seeing his first, like he, he saw the penalty first. He kind of saw me get, he, I kind of had to hold it together, not get upset about it and like how it all happened. But um, it, the, his reaction and to that goal was just something that I was really amazed at. And like he he was into it the rest of the game. It was it was a pretty cool experience for me. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, uh, any other thoughts on this second goal before we go to the dire one, uh, Lucas? Yeah. Um, so my big thing with this one is and it kind of transitions perfectly into the second one, is this? what we've been able to do with the addition of this set-piece coach is it's kind of similar to what we talked about earlier where we just wanted to see something different to Like in, when we were talking about the lineup. is We were like, something has to change. For me, it, it blows my mind that for like the last six years, we've watched the same exact corner every single time. We try and throw it to the near post. We, everyone throws bodies to the near post. Every once in a blue moon, it gets deflected to the back post where hopefully someone's there. But we've seen the same crap, and it failed time after time after time. Now it seems like we have a plan. Now it seems like we have these different strategies and plays drawn up where 
for that first one, we go short. We have guys all go near post. We play it short, quickly get it over to Kulicheski, and he finds the guy that everyone drew, like all of our fake guys running to the near post, drew away to leave Kane one-on-one with somebody at the back post. If you have a ball delivered in by Kulicheski and you have Harry Kane at the back post one-on-one with somebody, I will take that every day of the week. That's the dream scenario. So that was so brilliant to see us have that type of it seems like we have a plan. We're not just whipping it at the first guy's shins and saying, oh, well, too bad, didn't work. So I love the fact that that seems like such a calculated corner and you get two fantastic footballers that you set that up for and they just hammered it home. And then it's like next time we just do the exact same thing, except the guy going to the near post actually was the, that wasn't the fake this time. So it, it just seems like we have a plan with our corners now and that's just so exciting I've never been again. What it was a two of us? Was it you and me, Anthony, that we were both on the set piece roulette? <laughs> so oh, yeah, yeah. So we both had to fork over some money for some shots, but it's well worth it, and it's oh, yeah. so exciting this, to this get. This is mine. I, I I I bought shots on this one. <laughs> yeah, that was and, the dire one. Uh, but yeah, I I what I love about this is that sometimes when you're not playing well. If you can, it can do a magnificent corner, like you, you can find a way to score when you're not playing at your best. It, it, it can win you games, draw games where you, you could potentially lose just because you're having an off day. But, but this is a way that you can score. So it's, it's so important that we've brought in a, a coach that can actually teach us how to do this. That pieces are the almighty equalizer. If you've been playing like shit for 90 minutes, but you've been able to defend at the back, I always use the example of Bayern Munich and Chelsea, that Champions League final that screwed us out of a Champions League place. That was the biggest ass-kicking of a game I've ever seen between two teams. Chelsea didn't have a single opportunity the entire game. They get a corner, Drogba nails it, bang. See you in penalties at 30 minutes later. Like That's the type of stuff. That's how West Brom managed to stay in the Premier League for as many years as they just had Fernando Lorente and flick like headers, like headers off corners. So yeah, it, it's such a weapon if you're not actually playing at your best to keep you in the game. And I think we desperately needed that at that point. So yeah, it's something new in our like like in our locker that we have that is just so exciting. I'm, I can't wait to see. Now we actually have guys actually driving to the byline trying to create corners. Yeah. Well, with the you already brought the, mentioned the dire goal. So with the dire goal, um, another set piece, um, we take the lead uh, for the first time in this match. And uh, I think we're feeling pretty good, maybe not about the the, the overall performance, but, um, but we're kind of feeling like we're back in the driver's seat with this uh, dire header. Uh, any any uh, thoughts on the dire header before we kind of... Uh, Lucas, no. I will just I will note that he now has two Premier League goals on the season, which is I love Richarlson and I like everything he's doing for us. But just remember, Richarlson, if you're going to be racing dire for the goals, I mean, you're already two behind. So you got to catch up. Well, okay. and it shows that like uh, set piece coach, if we're getting goals out of Eric Dyer, like uh, we always could be out of a defender that's got his height. If we just were setting up right, so it's good good to see him finding a way to contribute in this way. Um, but um, I think we're kind of cruising along, not playing at our best through a lot of the rest of the the first half, and 
we hit the 41st minute and uh, James Madison uh, you know, uh, scores the equalizer and we're back to 2-2 to two, two before the half. Um, so I think we, you know, we, everybody stepped back, took a breather there. Uh, Catherine? Well, so I, on rewatching it, it wasn't after Dyer's goal, it wasn't all that horrible as I think other people are thinking. I saw on Twitter that a lot of people were like, oh, we were so shitty in that first half. But it's just nothing really happened, quote unquote. Um, but also some things that I saw, Sanchez scored technically, um, but then he had run into Lester's goalkeeper. And so don't forget about that. And then um, uh, so the goal was drawn back. And then also one thing that I noted in my notes, <laughs> noted in my notes, of course, um, during that kind of lag in play from Dyer's uh, goal up until Madison's is that Bentoncourt, I thought he had some bite in him. Like he had something that I now, of course, after rewatching it and having seen the game live, I was like, Oh, this makes sense that he, uh, he carried that, uh, that pressing attitude into the second half, but he had some, some good attitude about pressing, <laughs> um, in that first half. And, and then of course, with Madison's goal, that's one thing that I think we are guilty of in the past few seasons is just, well, number one, it was kind of a fluke goal because it came off his shin. And in any other game, I'm sure, or any other chance that he would have, it would not have gone in. And But also, we need to stop those lapses in play because it just seems like it was so against the run of against the run of play that we it seemed like we mentally shut down on defense because we were pressing forward and then we were like oh shit they're Lester's pressing us and and then of course that happens with Madison um but one thing also uh is that throughout the second half of the first half I did see that uh we should have been just constantly pestering Ndidi because he was making so many mistakes that we should have just been going at him uh, because he also was at fault for a lot of Lester's downfall as well in that latter part of the first half. So that's a lot of things that I just said. So somebody else can talk. Lucas. Yeah. And I think that, that 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 passage of play between our like the Dyer goal and the Madison goal was I think we did a really poor job pressing and I think that's something that we've seen with and we'll come on to the second half and how we had the formational changes and everything but but with uh, like Dyer and or excuse me uh, Hoiber and Bentoncourt are actually very good at pressing but it seems like formationally because when you're those two in the middle, they don't do it as often because they have so much responsibilities going at the back end. So I think that was something that we saw. Again, I think we were still probably the better side and created the better chances in that window. But yeah, it was um, it was a very we were sloppy with the ball. Um, we made a lot of mistakes, and I think eventually, if if those two continue on, a, like that's a very big chunk of time there. That was a 
potential for a much better team than like, I mean, Leicester, there's a reason they have one point so far out of seven games. They've been miserable. So I, I think a better team probably punishes us there. And so I've seen this pattern with us where it seems like when we're not in the lead, because as soon as we went down a goal, we seemed like we were just kicked up the ass, ready to go. And then we kept fighting for that second goal. And then as soon as we got that second goal, we were in the lead. We kind of just sagged off a little bit. And maybe that's because we want to invite the pressure on to counterattack, which is the right that you get to do as the team that's in the lead and where we are pretty lethal. But I think that we just seem to be very lax and sloppy in our passing. And we don't seem to be as aggressive in the press, which we could easily force a team like that that's been this error prone to make a lot of mistakes. We didn't. And then the other thing I want to touch on with that Madison goal, yeah, 100%. I think that was against the run of play and kind of lucky that they chunked it, just chunks it off the shin and it goes over Hugo. I mean, there's nothing you're going to do about that. But I, I think Sessegnon got absolutely destroyed on that like deep diagonal that led to it. And it was – I think Perisic had a couple swing and misses on the first goal. So from our wingbacks, we do need to be a little bit more tidy on – preventing some of those really bad mistakes their first two goals came from yeah albeit against the run of play but it exposed both of our wingbacks in that scenario each one got exposed for each one of the goals and so hopefully that's something that we can kind of sort out going forward yeah no i think you're you're, you're dead on there and uh and i think uh Perisic was uh, uh wasn't as good defensively on the right as he is on the left um uh, it's not his best skill set to begin with because he is more of an attacking player. But, um, but yeah, I think there's there's something to that, and I think that's why we we see like a uh, um, like Emerson still have value in Conte's eyes uh, because he is a truly good uh, defensive player. Um, but uh, let's move this conversation into the the second half of this uh, uh, match. And uh, yeah, so we came we came out and it looked like we were ready to to play at that point. They had equalized. Um, we we certainly wanted to to take something away from this, and it only takes two minutes to get to the Bentoncourt goal, which I I think we've seen him try and uh, do this maneuver, but we haven't seen it work. Um, and. What I do want to mention is that this goal does happen before any formation changes or substitutions happen. Um, so um, we did take the lead back um, through this effort. So let's talk about that. Sam? Yeah, so I, I was really impressed. I kind of think that this was a very, very long time coming for uh, Benton Core. Um, his, his first goal with the club, um, the way he got it was was really impressive, just really picking a guy's pocket. And he had every opportunity to pass it to. I forget who was running with him. Was it Hoybear or – yeah, it was Hoybear because I just remember. Was it Kane? Uh, Kane, someone like that. But credit to him. Credit to him. I remember um, the – social media blitz when he first signed he said he wanted to um at spurs become more of a box-to-box player um so far we've seen him just as a guy who's doing all the little things right like winning the ball getting a good forward pass here he wins the ball he 
decides for once in a while to act selfishly and just buried it in the back of the net. Now, I was really impressed. It almost set the tone for the second half. Um, we were a little bit muddy until the substitutions were made, so I wouldn't say it set the tone, but it almost set the tone. Catherine? Yeah, I. Uh, that's kind of what I was alluding to when I was on my, my little ramble rant, uh, is that the pressing that we saw five to seven minutes prior to the end of the first half was what we saw with Bentoncourt take that chance to pester and to attack and have that pressing attitude with, uh, and it was Ndidi. And so like, why not take that chance with him? Because he's Ndidi was so uh, foul prone. And so Bentoncourt, and it was like so sly doing it. Like nobody really understood what was happening. And then, uh, it, it was so cleanly taken and I don't know, there, there was a different perspective of the goal from behind and it had a really nice, like slight curl to it that their new keeper would not have gotten it. Schmeichel may have, but he, the new one d definitely was not able to. So I, I'm glad that he took it and he was, uh, he was confident in taking it and that he did have that, uh, that, um, that, want and that drive Lucas? yeah I, I think <clears throat> i think benton is actually one of the better players that I, I think he's really good at pressing actually so it was good to see him run behind and from his because he ran from like it seemed like he saw what was going to happen and he ran from like 15 20 yards out from behind him and knew he had one thing on his mind i think because we hadn't really done a good job pressing for the entire like from the 15th minute on, we hadn't really pressed well. So I think that's why he felt so comfortable when he received the ball. And Didi, I mean, he just kind of thought, okay, this is casually, I get to take my time, see what my options are, and we'll go from here. And while he was making those decisions, like Bentoncourt from a mile away just comes running in, had one thing on his mind, picks his pocket. And once he did that, I knew it was over. I'm like, he better not pass this to anyone. I'm like, he's going straight in. This is his moment. You finish this, get us back on track, and he did. And it was, it was really exciting. And I think that was uh, my other favorite thing was all the other players' reactions to it being his first goal. So like the celebration when everyone was hugging him, like you saw Harry Kane had to run over, give him his props. Like to me, that was really cool. But I, I loved the fact that he took that chance because it just it showed a difference in mentality in the second half. Because this only happened two minutes into the second half, so I think that there was definitely something that Conti had said, maybe be a little bit more bold or be like, take a few chances that you might not have taken in that first half. So the only real, like you had mentioned, Anthony, we hadn't made the Basuma sub that we'll come on to. So, which is where I think that just unleashed Hoiber and Benton Kerr to go do their thing. But uh, to me, it was, I, I think there was clearly something that Conti had said. We, the only tactical thing we saw was a flip. Um, we saw our wingbacks just flip sides. So that was the only thing that we really saw tactically, but clearly Conti had told Bensonkor go do something like or go feel a little bit more free to be brave and make those runs and press people. And within two minutes, he had that happen, which just completely set the game for the course that it was going to be on. Yeah, and and so after that, like um, what I wanted to talk about next was 
uh, we've been complaining most of the season about Conte not making substitution early, but Son came on in the 59th minute, um, and we didn't make the the formation change right then. Um, you know, Son came on first. We, we were sticking with the plan, and he kind of waited a, a little bit of time before the Basuma change to the three-five-two um, occurred. Lucas, yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. But I think the one thing that doesn't get appreciated enough is the fact that Sun didn't come on by himself. He came on with Romero, and I think that is where we saw a huge shift in the way we were actually able to get. As I said earlier, take away Dave's like dumb fifth minute, like, or a couple, like Dave in the beginning. Yeah. Made a big error outside of that. He's been brilliant defensively, but his big thing that hinders us is the way that he holds us back. Our in Conti system, like the left and the right center backs are very instrumental and in receiving the ball and getting it up to the wing backs to move it forward. And, he like Sanchez is so bad at that. Like I love him for what he is, which is a very strong defender, but he is brutal. And we've seen that in the three or four games that he started were all games that we really struggled to move the ball. West Ham being the first one off the top of my head, but like even uh, like the first two like weren't pretty that he was in. It's so it's been a big hindrance for us. So as soon as Romero got in there, it seemed like everyone, everything just kind of, the way we were able to move it up to guys like Harry and son and even the midfielders was so different as soon as Romero came in. So Romero weirdly, like wasn't even as it wasn't, even though it's a defensive player, his sub actually makes us so much more efficient on the attacking side of things because of what he's able to do and provide to get the ball forward. Yeah. And, uh, and so what I want to talk about with this uh, formation change though, so we, we make the switch to the 3-5-2 um, when we uh, bring on Basuma. Um, so th- three midfielders. Um, now, this is a debate that's, uh, that people are having all, all over Spurs land right now. Um, should we be using this for- formation because it was so successful? And I'm going to state my opinion first. I, I think that this was so effective beca- simply because it was the, the change. They were defending as well on the wings, which is how a typical Conte system attacks. He, he saw that we, we needed a tactical change to, um, to take advantage of this. We were already up. We knew that they had to come after us. And since, since that they were going to have to be on the attack, um, this opened up the midfield to, uh, to kind of uh, make that the fo- focus of our attack instead of the, the wings. And, and, and use this other formation. Now, I, I personally don't think that we should use it every match. Um, there might be times when uh, it's something you might want to start with every once in a while. Um, but I think for the most part, we're going to see a change like this happen, uh, exactly how Conte used it in this game. Um, when things aren't going exactly how you want them to or you see a way to take advantage of a situation which is I think more what this was he saw we're already up but this is a way we can take advantage of uh, uh, of this situation and really put some goals in and it, it certainly worked Catherine so I think what Lucas said is right on the nose because uh, it having a 352 allows our 
attackers to attack and free up that space for the midfielders and the defenders to do what they have to do um, and have us be a cohesive unit instead of kind of being a little bit more structured. Um, But also like what you're saying, Anthony, it won't be able to be used every time because we have to cater to the players who are available and not injured or not on international or international duty or whatever it is. And then also we have to cater to the opponent too. Not cater to the opponent, but we have to play to our strengths versus what the opponent has. And so it's not going to be a constant formation. And you have to be a little bit, you have to have a little bit of that freedom of movement to then, like, you're you're playing up your assets, which is can be a, a great motto for any walk of life. <laughs> Lucas? Yeah, and I think a really important thing is, yes, we saw that this is an option. This is an option as to something that we can turn to in the middle of a match. And that's important to me because we've seen Conti be very rigid in his style and structure, which, again, I'm not going to fault him for that because he knows it's a system that works. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to tell Conti that the way he does things is wrong because the guy's a machine and he wins everywhere he goes. But it's nice to see some... Like to like just kind of go against the rigidity of, well, this is the formation we have to be. It's like, okay, but maybe it's not working. And we try this. And so it's nice to see us have different options that he has different players that he can trust in these different options to go to different styles and at different points in the game. And it was nice to see him do it, uh, even just making the earlier subs. So it, it, it's good to see. We always talk about depth, but it's like, what good does the depth that we have on our squad, what good does that do if we're not going to use it? So it's really nice to see him actually make these types of tactical changes mid-game mid because Basuma was a machine, and his job just became the cleanup guy, and it allowed just Hoiber and Bentoncourt to just go do whatever the hell they wanted to do. And they're both phenomenal attackers when they have the freedom to go do it. And I think that's what we saw, and we got to see Son and Kane now get all the time and time in the world in space. So it was like... I think it was a chain reaction, like bringing in Basuma freed up uh, Bentancur and Hoiber, which freed up getting the ball to Kane and Son in space, which is at the end of the day, if Kane and Son have the ball in space, I don't envy the other team. That's a nightmare. So I, I thought that was a really awesome tactical move. But the thing I was most excited about is the fact that it provides us a new option as to somewhere we can go. It's something we can always turn to or if we need to or and the fact that Conti's willing to do it. So I'm just excited to see that we have all these different options. Uh, Sam, was your hand up? Uh, Catherine, then. <laughs> well, and I I was going to mention, Lucas, going off of what you're saying and going into uh, the first of the hat tricks. Sorry if I'm taking your place, Anthony, right now. But, no, um, transition. Go for it. <laughs> but Bentoncourt, because he was freed up to have that attacking mindset and that that pressing the Leicester midfield and defense that he would, I mentioned in my notes that he was being such a menace in the midfield after sun came on that he was the catalyst for sun. And then sun just picked out that his first goal from 25, 30 yards out and just what a banger of a goal. Well, all of them were delicious, but that first one was incredible. And 
uh, like you could tell how important that was and how vital and crucial that was not only for Sun, but for everybody similar to what we were talking about with Bentoncourt's goal that everyone rallied behind him. But that was the, one of the longest celebrations that I've seen in a while. I think just because it was such a relief for the whole team and even Perisic grabbed a yellow coming onto the, onto the pitch after getting substituted out. And so it was so needed just that, for the whole was, squad. Calling that, by the way, like what an ass, like just let us have that. That ref was a jerk. I'm sorry to cut you off. But I'm like, yeah, what a prick. He couldn't have let Paris just say, Hey, quietly ushered him back onto the sideline. Like, yeah, that, that was yeah. A, a bit. And I think this ref was a, a dick throughout this. Again, not, not to mention like the, um, I believe, yeah, the third sun goal, like with the, the, the flag go up, take oh, all, the the, the, all the steam out of his hat trick. Yeah, uh, f- fuck you. Um, but uh, go ahead, Lucas. No, but I, I, Catherine transitioned us into that, like talking about that sun goal. And I think, yeah, the celebration was one of my favorites. It was like, it wasn't like rowdy because it was rowdy. Then it would have been really, if everyone was like jumping, going bananas, it would have been like very obvious that, hey, son, wow, we've, it's, we've all been thinking about how you haven't scored. But the fact it was so cool and like everyone kind of like came up to him and they were like, a, we knew you had it in you type thing. Like we knew you'd be back. Like, don't worry. Like that, yeah, that was fantastic. But yet that was one of those moments I think that will be like, Sun's going to have, Sun's year is just going to be crackers. Sun's going to have 25, 30 goals this season. It's going to be legendary, and we're all going to love it. And I think we're going to look back to that moment, obviously, and be like, that was a ball that could have just, he could have just took it weirdly or taken too much time, but he didn't think about it, and he let it fly, and then that just led to, even if that had just been it, and it was like, oh, he got that one goal. It's like the fact that it led to the confidence to get the others, and that moment just turned into the greatest moment ever of a hat trick and the only Tottenham player in history to have a hat trick off the bench. So that was to me. I'm like, that was going to be, that's going to be something that like at the end of the season, when we see how awesome son was, we're going to be like, well, just cause he took it right then, like, and equalized, uh, who's your man? Uh, Jesus for Arsenal. Everyone like all excited about having him as a striker now, like, yeah, Sun equalized his season goal total in about 13 minutes. So <laughs> now he got one back the next day. But eh, race is on, boys. Yeah, no, he, uh, Sun was just magnificent, and it, I, I, I think it's smart. I think there might be a, a lot more games than we think. Not that I wanted to see him sitting on the bench because he's such a talent, but there's certain games like to, where his legs coming off the bench could just devastate teams. Um, and I, I think that's a good way to keep him fresh for the important games. And uh, I, I really think that we should consider doing that more often. Um, other things to say about Sun, because uh, th- this really was the Sun half. Um, Catherine? Yeah, well, going with some other uh, moments, I I wanted to just make a note that uh, on the buildup to... The buildup actually to Sun's second goal was terrific as well, but also the uh, the hilariously wide shot that Romero had, the buildup to that was great, but also Sun was offside, so 
even if he had scored, it wouldn't have counted. But uh, just knowing that, like what Lucas is saying, there's so much more confidence now. And not that you don't have that as a player. Well, I assume being a, I'm not a Premier League player, of course, but, um, but they have that confidence. It's just like the bullet that needs to go off for them to be like, oh, like when is the race starting almost? And it seemed like with Kane, with um, with Sun's first goal, that's again like what Lucas is saying. Like he's just going to tear now, but the tear also includes having those moments of you are offside because you were just raring to go, and that happens. But um, the buildup has been changed so much within five minutes after that that first goal. It was incredible to see. Bring it home, Lucas, because we're going to go to MVP next. And, yeah, that should be a <laughs> very interesting. <laughs> Wonder who we're all going to pick. But, yeah, I mean, it's to me that thing is exactly what Captain's saying with the confidence is that second goal when he just pops it on his other foot, by the way. Like, so he had one from each. It was like that year where Harry had, like, I think it was like 36 goals or something, and he had 12 on his left foot, 12 on his right foot, 12 on his head. <laughs> it was like... But that's the thing. Sun's just as brilliant with that, where he can whip from each side of the box. It needs to have that confidence. So as soon as the first one went in, he doesn't take that second goal. Like He doesn't take that shot if he hadn't had the first goal. He maybe hesitates or he stumbles a bit or he tries to look to pass someone. So that, that's the confidence that we're going to see is just back, and I'm so excited for it. But again, I loved the point that you made, Anthony, where... We don't have to use all four. It doesn't have to be Kulitevsky, uh, Sun, Kane, and Ritarlton all at once. That's something we can use. But the fresh legs thing. Ritarlton, look at how great he's been coming off the bench against tired legs. Sun's the same way. So having either of those guys. And there's going to be games where we know Harry Kane's going to be on the bench. And it's going to be those two up top. And that's something that we, we need to do if we're going to get through this the amount of games and mid-World Cup that we have this season. So I, I love the fact that it does, It didn't seem like Sun was personally hit by the fact that he was rotated. You knew he was coming on, came in, did the, set, a new, set a new record for himself at Tottenham, and that was a really special moment for all of us. So, yeah. yeah. No, and I think that's a good way to... Um, to wrap up that part of the conversation, we're gonna. I'm sure we all have Youngman Son as our MVP. So I'm gonna just ask everybody to shoot out a, a, a very quickly shoot out your honorable mention. Um, so uh, Sam, who's your honorable mention? Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Betancourt for the honorable mention. Um, not only did he have his goal, he assisted in another. Um, so two direct goal involvements, pretty impressive. Um, go with him. Yeah, and he was going to be mine as well. So for, for basically the same reasons you just gave, uh, Catherine, who do you have? I had three. I was going to say, after Sun, of course, um, I was going to say Busuma, even though he was only on the pitch for half an hour-ish, and then Larice as well, uh, because he had some incredible saves, and uh, he palmed a shot away that was a very awkward shot or a save at least. And the so one that, the one that skipped off the ground. 
possibly. Yeah, and like it skipped off the ground and he like swatted it. Yeah. Yes. 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 It, and and so they probably would have had another goal or two. Of course, we would have still won with six, but um, I do think Lurie's deserves a shout, and then also Bentoncourt as well. Uh, Lucas? Uh, mine is actually Dayan and Kane. I thought that Kane had some passes today that were absolute, or that day that were insane, and the way he was moving the ball around, the way he was able to get us back in the game within like five minutes, just doing what he does best, score against Leicester. Two minutes, actually. Yeah, like easiest money I make is every time we played Leicester, just bet on Kane to score. But um, yeah, and I thought Dayon needed a lot of props for the way that he actually was really taking it at them on the wing. That was really what we needed at that point. Uh, Some of the balls in he played were incredible. Now, um, does anybody not have uh, Sanchez as LVP? Um, I didn't have anybody for LVP because if you win 6-2, like, it wasn't terrible, like what I was saying. I also don't think that he deserves – I personally don't think he deserves to be LVP. I don't think anybody really does. Um, the only reason I would say is because, uh, you know, he put us in a, a, a precarious situation. situation. <laughs> yeah. Anyone, the game. Like, anyone and, and that, that comes that, in and that is always a dangerous if you come in in this, like, if you come in within five minutes and you have a, like, you gave away a penalty, you've put yourself as the front horse for being the LVP. So yeah. yeah Dave, but ha- had he scored that called that goal, then maybe, uh, yeah, so maybe I should say that he is. Out. He could have worked out, out with that. I would agree, um, but unfortunately he didn't. But but um, anybody else that it was underperforming that we can think of? Okay, um, I think this is a good place to go to half the second half. We are gonna gloss over the international break, uh, and we are gonna preview the North London Der- Derby after the uh, uh, after the the break. But first, we're gonna go to. Catherine's uh, Spurs Women update. Hi, everyone. I'm Catherine, and I'm back with another edition of the Spurs Women update. And since again, there's quite a bit of time quite a bit for this time with the team. Let's get straight to it. Last time I left you was in July, so lots happened since then, including Spurs women coming to the U.S. for a preseason tour with the Women's Cup in Louisville, Kentucky. So to recap that quickly, on Sunday, August 14th, Spurs lost 2-1 to Club America, followed by another 2-1 loss on Wednesday, August 17th against Tokyo Verde. Both games saw a good contest, with Club America well into their season. So it was a good test of where Spurs were coming at, at coming into the women incoming women's Super League season. So although both matches were losses in Kentucky, it was, one, great that the team could play other types of teams instead of just WSL teams to learn how to better become malleable with formations and players on the pitch. And then also, two, that manager Rand Skinner was able to continue on with implementing her footballing philosophy for Tottenham to hopefully come to fruition even more this season after last season's pretty well uh, adjusted and uh, 
finished season. So then uh, after Louisville then, Spurs were back in London and played Chelsea to a 2-1 loss for their last preseason match. Although Tottenham had their chances, mainly in, this, in the second half, the team needed more chances, more than chances and couldn't translate them into goals, unfortunately. So although all three games were defeats, the team looks to be in good shape for this upcoming season, which was right around the corner as the team was originally scheduled to open the Women's Super League season against Manchester United. And that match on September 10th happened to be postponed then because Queen Elizabeth passed away. So for the first match of the new season then was this past weekend. So this weekend, therefore, ended up being the season opener away at Leicester City's King Power Stadium. And despite the near 40-yard delicious goal from defender Ashley Neville having been scored in the 36th minute, Spurs did have a few other chances in the first half, as well as Leicester's Perfield did have a shot but was wide enough to not worry our goalkeeper. Jessica Naz also had quite the look, but Leicester's keeper was able to save it fairly easily which was followed up by a bit of a goal-mouse scramble that eventually came to nothing, but Spurs were closer for a bit. And just before the break, new Spurs player Drew Spence hit a terrific low-driven ball from about 25-30 yards out, which found the left corner of the goal to make it 2-0 Spurs. Then in the second half, it got a bit livelier with Spurs' Drew Spence again scoring, although this time it was an own goal in the 58th minute to make it 2-1. And the good news is that despite the own goal, the result ended up being 2-1 with Spurs grabbing all three points in the opening match. And a fun fact is that Spurs were the only team away team to grab a win out of all the matches this weekend in the Women's Super League. And then next up, oddly enough, for both men and women, is the North London Derby. Spurs women play Arsenal at the Emirates on Saturday, September 24th, with a kickoff time of 7.30 Chicago time. That match should be able to be live-streamed on the FA Player website, which you need a registration for, but it's simply an email and password, and then you're set to go. The website is faplayer.thefa.com, so make sure to tune in to watch, as in years past, we've continually performed better and better against Arsenal, although not great results, but I'm hopeful that we continue to turn the tide and start to see good results. Then getting into October, on Sunday the 16th of October, Spurs play Liverpool at our new home of Late Orient's Brisbane Road. That match is followed by a big game, again at home, against Manchester City on Saturday the 22nd of October. And then rounding out October's matches, Spurs play away at Brighton on Sunday, October 30th. All right. Since I didn't get any questions this time, that's it for me. But remember, you can reach out to me whenever, wherever, uh, whether it's the men's team, Spurs women, or even if you have questions regarding traveling to matches from the U.S. or just want to chat anything Spurs, feel free to message me on Twitter at Catherine Rupp for questions or comments or just a chat. So that's it for this time. Come on, you Spurs. Well, thanks, Catherine, as always. Great job. You're welcome. (laughs) Well, um, just a, a, a note before we go into the second half. So we are going to take the international break off. So there will be no episode next week. Uh, we will be back in two weeks uh, time. Uh, so look, at, look for us then. Uh, but let's roll into this conversation. So this is an international break coming up. Um, first thing I want to know, um, not even related to international break. So uh, Hugo um, picked up an injury. I'm guessing it was in training uh, because, uh, or, or did it happen in this uh, Leicester match? Because uh, it was kind of unclear to me where he got it, but it sounds like it's a calf injury. 
Um, so we don't know how much, how long we're going to be without uh, Hugo. He's not going on international break. Um, uh, so we might have to turn to Fraser Forrester when we return. Uh, Catherine? I think it was a thigh injury, but also I don't know if this is Conti and the rest of the staff playing mind games, but or just giving Hugo a bit of a break because he's 35 years old and might need it from time to time. But I think that Forster is like more than capable of a backup keeper. But also, I do wonder if uh, it might have been from the game and that it was just kind of glazed over because he was fi- he's fine enough but doesn't want to maybe aggravate it with France. And so that's my thinking. I haven't really heard of much more, but let's just hope if he's not able to make it back, then like I said, Forster is fine, but we always want Hugo in for, for the North London Derby. Yeah. And I think that's uh, that you might be right about the mind games. Uh, We've always said that we want a coach that will kind of play those games to keep, keep players uh, from uh, having to go on duty when it doesn't really matter. I think uh, for a lot of players right now, though, this is kind of the the warm ups for the uh, the World Cup. So it's the only thing that they they really get before they're getting ready to go to the cup. So um, I can see where that's key. Um, I mean, as far as matches, like there's not much out there that I'm that interested in watching. Um, um, We we all know we just want our players to come back, not hurt. I guess I, I, I the one thing that I'll say as a semi USA fan, um, I am kind of interested that they ha- have a friendly match against Saudi Arabia, which, yeah, not not much of an opponent. But I think uh, we're playing in Saudi Arabia. I think it's interesting. I think you might be preparing for the the, the climate situation that you're going to be facing in Qatar. Uh, so I think that might be a little bit smart on the U.S.'s part. Uh, Sam? Yeah, I, I kind of think it's smart. I remember someone on ESPN saying that um, the U.S. is at an advantage um, in terms of like uh, playing in tough climates at one point um, uh, because the things that you kind of do deal with in, in CONCACAF, especially the U.S., it's like extreme weather, whether it be hot, cold, um, smog, um Snow, you're you're very good at dealing with it, environmental conditions. But at the same time, going to Saudi Arabia in the desert in the fall will will help you ultimately prepare for you know playing and training and what will, will be in an environment you've never really gotten used to in your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting there, uh, Lucas. I think you had your hand up. Uh, international break. Yeah, I was I was more going to touch on Hugo because you know that. There's nothing I like to talk about, and there's nothing I hate more than international football. But um, this is a big one where, of, of course, it's going into North London Derby. So with international break, my number one thing is, God, just everyone come home safe. Like, this is what Alex Ferguson used to do, where it's, like, just making up fake injuries so that his guys wouldn't have to go. It's like, that's what I wish we had, because... I know for certain that we're going to pick up at least a dozen or a half a dozen knocks on guys that are going into the North London Derby, which, by the way, will decide who is on top of the Premier League. 
So we haven't had one of those in a while. And so we'll have that derby, and I'm sure we'll have like six injuries picked up from guys playing in useless Nations Cup games or whatever, Nations League, whatever the fuck that nonsense is. But the thing with Hugo, though, is if that is if it is a true concern, he might miss that game. I, I've never been more like comfortable in the fact that we have Fraser Forster behind him. This is a guy that knows the Premier League, knows what this game means. And also, the last time he went to the Emirates was in the spring, and he stood on his head and let Southampton beat Arsenal 1-0, and he had, like, nine of the best saves I've ever seen. So, like, this is not – this moment is not going to be too much for him. He'll be grand. He's going to do a great job. If that is the case, that we need him, of course, I would always rather have Hugo, but if we need to go to a backup goalkeeper for – the biggest away North London Derby in a long time. I'm like, this is the guy you want to have is somebody that's got just hamburger helper hands and is eight feet tall and is no bother to him to be at the Emirates helping us get these three points. So Sam. Yeah. I just like throwing there like, one thing, I was happy that we bought Fraser Forster, one, because he killed us last year when he played for Southampton. Two, because he's a different player than Hugo. He's a big, not quite as athletic as Hugo, but he is still relatively athletic and just a big frame, which is, Hugo is, he's a pretty tall guy, but he's not exactly physically imposing it would give Arsenal like something different to prepare for it if he if it comes down to it. Yeah, uh, Lucas. And and again, uh, like the last time that we won away at the Emirates was we didn't have Hugo start. We had it was Gazaniga. So Hugo's always good for a home win, but <laughs> like maybe we can get maybe it just takes him taking a rest and we get. Frazier in there, and that's what helps us get on, like, get the job done on the road at the Emirates. Yeah, and that's a good transition into this uh, match at the Emirates that we're playing. So, um, we're playing Arsenal away. It's uh, Saturday, October 1st, the early game, 6.30 in the morning here in Chicago, so get out to the pub early. Uh, They will be open uh, early. Um, uh, If you want a seat, definitely definitely show up uh, uh, early for that one um as we know they're in first place right now so as lucas said we're we're challenging there uh just to go in into their uh biggest threats right now definitely jesus odisgaard martinelli um the, you know, these are the guys that we kind of have to be concerned about um we um we did obviously beat them uh three nil back in may um, but they, this was prior to them getting Jesus onto, uh, onto their squad. Um, we did lose the two prior engagements prior to that, both, both at the Emirates. So, uh, if we, if we're looking at the recent matchups at the Emirates, we have not done well. Uh, where are you guys at on this, uh, this game? What is the key to this match for everybody, Sam? Well, I'd like to first say that um, we're getting them at a time when I kind of wish we were not yet after an international break. Who knows what we're going to be in, what kind of shape we're going to be in after the break. 
but who knows what kind of shape they're going to be in. I would rather face them um, after they've played away in Europa, but of course, the likelihood of that is not very great. Um, um, I like, yeah, they're in fair form, but the but the time that they played anyone decent with that I would not consider like a mid table at best was away at Manchester United. They got granted they had control of the ball, but at the same time they United were able to kind of expose some of their flaws. And I'm just kind of thinking, it's like, how good do you expect to be with Ben White playing White right back out of position? It consistently like that. It's like you know, it's great that you have three consistent center backs, but it's like why play one of them at right back instead of just finding someone who can actually play the position? Well, let me ask everybody this question. Um, so there is the the chance that there might be a railroad strike at the time of this match. Now, given that this is coming out of the international break where, where it's not the time that we want to face Arsenal, especially when they've been sitting pretty with pretty easy matches, sitting at the top of the table, feeling confident, um, is uh, uh, would you guys be upset if this was uh, postponed? Uh, due to the the strike or, or it, to allow us to take them on some other time, but maybe it would have to be like a midweek game that we have to cram in somewhere. Uh, Catherine? Honestly, I'm probably uh, the opposite of you guys because I'd much rather play them and play them when they are sitting pretty because we can show our strengths and how we are, despite us talking about how, uh, like Lucas was saying, um, when we were talking about Leicester, that a better team than Leicester would see those weaknesses within our passing or how we're a little sloppy with uh, with like give and goes and everything like that. Um, but I think because, as Sam said, that they've only won against or that they, they've only lost against Manchester United, but all their other games have been against a lot lower level teams with well within the Premier League of course um and so I think that honestly I'd much rather want it and just not get it out of the way but play them so then we can actually show and show up the Premier League and say you know this is who we are this is who we are under under Conti and uh we do have the skill and talent to be in first Lucas yeah, and I think Catherine makes a great point because this is the thing that no none of the pundits want to actually talk about is Arsenal has their best start ever, by the way, in how many years? Like over a decade. And we're a point behind them. In Arsenal's best start ever, they have played absolute schmoes. Like they've been beating up on random, ab- like just, the one tough game that's like, oh, you played Man United away. It's like, you got slapped. Like, oh, okay. And aside from that, it's like they've had, what, one other team in the top 10? And that's Brentford? But like, hey, like, congrats for getting Leicester, Palace, like, Southampton, Bournemouth. Like, nice. Like, cheers to you. 
So yeah, it, it's about like they are absolutely going to get put to the sword if we were to play them right now with our strength against their strength, two strong teams, we will put them to the sword. The main thing is, of course, Arsenal just gets this because when it comes to the like the train strike, as you had brought up, there's part of me that says, let me see how these injuries go for the next, like, because we're going to have a couple guys pick up knocks on international duty. We always fucking do. But if we do, then I'd be like, yeah, maybe that maybe the train strikes a good thing. But usually like Arsenal just gets this lucky break where they play us after like Arsenal has yet to play us with Romero or skip. Like they've just yet to play Romero because of just dumbass luck. And it's like, well, eventually you're, you're going to play him and you're going to play a healthy Tottenham and we're going to smash you. And I'm also this week or this uh, in two weeks. When else would we play them? Because we already have a postponed Manchester City match. And, so, and and a really very, like, there's game after game after game with the World Cup being truncated and in the winters. So might as well just play them now. Like, just do it. <laughs> damn. Yeah, I just want to throw in there. It's like, you know, at this point, they will... This is me kind of being a little biased. They'll, they will find any way to, you know, if there's something that happens to their team over the international break, they'll find any excuse to not play a match. You know, they already postponed um, their Europa League match, which I felt probably not the right thing to do. They weren't expecting a big crowd for that anyway. It's Europa League, crying out loud. But... And it's just like, you know, I, I just want to say this. You know, you've run from us once before. Remember how that happened. Yeah, yeah we made them pay the last time they ran from, from us. Uh, Lucas? So I, I think the big time or the big theme for this match is going to be just who is, again, we, we don't know who's going to be healthy, but assuming that everyone was healthy coming after the international break, it's who is more, who's better set up for what the other team's going to offer. And that kind of gets into a tactical discussion, whether you're, it's Arteta versus Conte. And what we have as our main advantage is we have options. They don't have options. They have one way in which they can play and no depth. We have, as we've just seen, and that's what I was most excited about taking away from Leicester, is like we now see that if something's not going our way, we have multiple options, guys off the bench that we can return to and can also switch formations. We can do a lot of different things. We've yet to see that from Arsenal. A, because we really haven't needed to see it because they've been beating up on absolute slags, which fair play to you. If you're going to be good, like you have to win those games. So I'm not going to knock them for having this points that they have but yeah you're now gonna like we saw you play a big six if you will you played a big six team on the road and you kind of panicked and you let up and united's goals in that game came from counterattacks it's like like if rashford's what you're worried about in a counterattack like <laughs> you know better than anyone like have fun with kane and son like that's gonna be a fucking nightmare for you so it's 
if we're healthy and we can come back from this break, I think that we have all of the tools in the chest to just out again. I'm going to trust Conti to outmaneuver Arteta in every way, shape, and form in this game because this is what he does, and he has the options. Arteta really doesn't. Arteta's like, we're going to throw this one thing at you, and we're going to be like, grand, okay, and. And to your point, Lucas, they're, they're not. Um, they have like no, Arsenal, Arsenal can't play this game by like sitting back on the defense uh, uh, or giving us the ball like uh, some of these other teams have, who have yeah, uh, made a struggle. Like yeah. yeah, West Ham. Like they can't play the way West Ham because if they do that at home, their fans are going to uh, lose the plot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they they're going to have to come and play us, and I think that's going to play right into Conte's hands. A hundred percent. And who would they bring on if like things, if you're in emergency mode, like we have, like, we either bring on son or Richarlison or maybe Lucas Morris fit. Like we have options. We could rotate it with bringing on Basuma or skip. Like we have fullbacks. Doherty apparently might be healthy by then. We could have Doherty start. They don't know. They have no clue what we're going to do. And we have the ability to rotate and adjust as we need. We know exactly what they're going to do. And we have better players than them. So bring it. Like, I'm so I'm so jacked up. Now, this is all assuming we can come home safe. Everyone, don't get hurt on international duty. But, yes, if we come home with a full, healthy squad, I'm, there's zero reason why we can't put them to the sword. Yeah, well, healthy and, uh, and hopefully, uh, I haven't looked at everybody's travel schedule, but... Um... Hopefully the travel isn't too tough on uh, the players coming back as well. I mean, Sun always has to go far. That's something to think about. But, um, but, but yeah, that's I think that that's my primary concern here. Like how we come back from uh, 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 from international break. Uh, any final thoughts on this game before we go to um, predictions? Okay, let's do predictions. We'll start with Sam. So I'm going to go, I think it'll be an open game. Um, A lot of attacking, counterattacking. I'm going to go with a 3-3 draw. Um, A recent form at the Emirates has not been great. I think we are a better team than they are. But um, with the Hugo injury looming and, um, and, of course, like, coming off the international break. I think we get some goals in, but I think they catch us off guard a couple times too. I'm going to go with um, um, a goal from Kane, a goal from Sun, and a goal from Decky. I like it. Um, well, I, I maybe I'd, I'd be okay with a draw, I guess. But um, I, I won't say that I like it, but I could, I could be okay with that. Uh, Catherine, what do you have? I, I'm not going to say that we'll get the draw, but I do think it's due time that we have a win at the Emirates, and so I'll go with a two-one win. Um, a little cagey match, but when has that ever hurt us, really? Um, and so, let's say I want Richarlison to get his first Premier League goal then. Uh, for us away and then let's say uh Kane of course oh yeah I, I, it would be nice for him I could see him being a, a 
a force that really gets under their skin in this this match with if we have Carlson on. Uh, Lucas, what do you have? Yes. So in in my prediction, I'm going to give Richarlison one, but I just want to copy what Catherine said there for a second. I also want Richarlison's goal to be like he put his elbow in someone's neck as he scored, and it didn't get called, and it should have been called off or something, but doesn't. Like I want one of those edgy Richarlison goals for this game because we're going to do them. We're going to do them in 3-1. It's going to be awesome. We'll let them have, like, a cheap one at the end, much like the last time we played there under Nuno when we had like a cheap one at the very end. But yeah, it's going to be three, one. We're going to be on top. Uh, we're going to smash them. It's going to be Kane. Obviously is going to have one more goals than anybody in the history of the North London Derby. So he'll get one son loves one and Richardson. So it feels like a cheesy three to go Kane son Richardson, but each one's going to be unique and special. And I hope the Richardson one is, Dirty and Lamella esque, and it drives them up the wall, and it's all they can think about for like their next fourteen days, and uh, it sets them on a path of destruction into their very hard October, which they have to play. The next fourteen days, they'll think about it forever. They still think about Delhi every night. Exactly. Every, every time it's right before Christmas, they think about Delhi getting the two nil, and just it ruins their Christmas and. That's the way I think about it. So, uh, Sam wants to jump in there fast. Yeah, I just want to build off that comment, Lucas, that you said, like uh, how that um, how that will just sit with them during October. I I was um, I was part of the London trip that uh, went over um, during the North London Derby and the Burnley game. The last full day I was there was the day that Arsenal lost at Newcastle. And I just remember walking to the tube station at King's Cross, and there were a bunch of Arsenal fans about to get on the L liner up to Newcastle with long faces, like long faces. Like there was not a smile on anybody that had a red shirt on and white sleeves. And I kind of, that morning, like when I saw that, I'm like, okay. They're going to lose tonight. We're going to the Champions League. So that, that kind of brought back that memory. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go with Lucas's pr- prediction as well here. Um, and I'm going to say 3-1. And actually, I'm going to have the same three goal scorers. Uh, but I, I will say that I think that this is going to be, like, we dominate. We, we ruin them. They, they, they're – they they think they're all that, and and we just put them to shame. They get one goal back towards the end of the match, but it's not anywhere near to, to appease their fans. I, I think that this could be the one that we do it at the Emirates. I, I just have a feeling. Now, I predicate that on what happens with the international break, but I just have to assume everybody's back and healthy, and if they are, we're, we, we can do that. Lucas? Yeah, and, and this is the big thing, and I want to remind – because this game used to stress me out. I used to hate going there away because we never win there away. Um, but I learned a long time ago, I've been following this team for God knows, oh, 31 years. And I'm like, what are they going to do? Like what, that, that's what we have. It's, it's, they've, oh, well, we always beat you guys at the Emirates. It's like, yeah, you haven't played Conti. You haven't played Conti's Tottenham at the Emirates. 
you haven't played like Benton core and Kulachevsky at the Emirates. You haven't played like, so we are, you haven't played skip or, uh, Basuma or like we had Basuma loves. Yeah. Basuma. That's one we haven't talked about. The last time he was at the Emirates, he took the piss in front of all your fans. Like that was fantastic for everyone. The whole rest of the premier league laughed at that. So it's, it's it's going to be a very different. We're used to seeing, like the last time uh, with Jose's Tottenham, the last time like the one where Lamella had like the Rabona and like when we went to the Emirates in that game, we looked so timid and that was probably the worst game I've seen us play at the Emirates in my entire life. Like that was embarrassing. But this is a whole new group of guys that doesn't have that, oh, my God, it's Arsenal away. Like, they don't have that fear. This is a bunch of guys that know exactly how to go to Arsenal away. Harry Kane knows how to do it. Son knows how to do it. Like I said, if Forrester plays, Forrester knows how to do it. Basuma knows how to do it. Dayon and Bentoncourt don't care who the hell Arsenal is. <laughs> They're like, whatever, bring them on. So we're, we're going to have a lot of new, like, we have so much in terms of like new things that they have not seen. And this is going to get wiped off the board. And if we show up healthy, we're going to smack them. Conti's going to make sure that we have the right mentality and we're going to just wipe them off the board. And I'm excited for it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, any other final thoughts before we uh, wrap up? Okay. Well, well, thank you. So uh, uh, actually we're going to do something first. Um, I'm Anthony. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Callahan42, K-A-L-I-H-A-N. Uh, Sam, where can you be found? So um, I run the um, Four Star Spurs uh, Twitter account. So um, you can find me there. If you have any questions for me directly, you can just go ahead and DM me. Um, and uh, you can also find me at on Facebook. Um, name is Sam Mills. Um, if you have trouble finding me, there's a picture of me at the Atlantic. Uh, Lucas, where can you be found? Uh, yeah, so Lucas, last name R-U-S-K-E, so just all one word on Twitter, L-U-C-A-S, like my man Mora, R-U-S-K-E, one word on Twitter. And please, yes, tweet at us if there's anything I love to do the most. If you didn't like one of my opinions, if you agree with it, like, hit me up, like, I'm all... <laughs> If there's a reason for me to be talking about Tottenham, like I want to do it. So for or against me, like L U C I S R U S K E on Twitter, like just let's talk. Catherine, where can you be found? As mentioned during the Spurs Woman update, it's Catherine Rep on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Usually I'm on just go on Twitter though. It's uh K A T H E R I N E R U P P. And uh yeah, I'm I'm fairly responsive. When I can be. Great. Well, that about wraps it up. So thank you so much to Tom, Tommy for editing today. Charlie for the music, Sam for social media, Kimberly for the logo. And as always, the Atlantic Bar and Grill. We'll be back recording there probably next when we return from the break. Uh, find us on our many platforms. Uh, hit the subscribe button and write us a review on iTunes or give us a review wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook at Four Star Spurs and our website at fourstarspurs.com. Come on.